Yeah. Hi. So this week we have Danny from Send Up on the yeah. podcast. This is the third time we are recording yeah. the, 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 the preamble yeah, and the post animal because um, it, it doesn't want to work. Yeah, it doesn't want to work today. We recorded it in the car to start with because we were going to listen to the podcast on the way to Weatherspoons, but, but Jamie's not been great today. She had a bad head. Yeah, my head's only fairly bad, but it's enough to listen to the podcast. So we started recording again and then it just went off. So mm. this is the third time lucky and we're going to go and listen to Danny from Send App, which is an app you can get on your phone or your iPads and you can do your own social stories. So that sounds really, really interesting. And this week, anything exciting happening? Just been okay. trying to get back into routine of school, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy the podcast. We're going to go and have a listen now and we'll let you know what we think when we come back. Oh, it didn't turn off this time. See you in a minute. Or an hour. Right, hi everyone, it's Jenny back again with another Sensory Matters episode and today I am chatting to Danny. Hi Danny. Hello, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, now, Danny has a very, very interesting story. Um, we, well, kind of met at the autism show. My colleague Chris had a chat to Danny and she had a stand there all about her app, which is perfect for children and I suppose adults as well that maybe need social stories. Um, and it's very, very adaptable because it's an app on um, a tablet or a phone rather than a fixed book so it can be very very personalized but we'll go into that a bit more later but first let's find out a bit more about Danny and her journey into the sensory world and how that all started. Okay um, I think like a lot of people that you probably come across and probably a lot of your listeners I was thrown into the sensory world when um, my son who was born in 2010 uh, was diagnosed when he was two in 2012 uh, I was very fortunate that I had a lot of training, a lot of support, and any, any opportunity I got to receive some further education about something, I took it. Um, I was very fortunate as well that my son had a lot of support, and I was introduced to a lot of different uh, sensory techniques. Um, I've since gone on, and I was working for a different company. They work with insurance in schools, uh, but I was quite fortunate that they worked a lot with technology. And I'd always had this idea about apps and how social stories could be used for them, but I never kind of had the resources to do it myself. Um, and I seen the opportunity to do it and presented it to the company that I work for, and they've I've been very fortunate that they've let me run with it. Um, and we've got something that I think is amazing. We've had a lot of people look at it and they agree. And, and here I am. Very good. OK, <laughs> wow. That's that's quite something. So that's been a good few years. So let's go back to your son. Yes. Born in 2010, but diagnosed in 2012. That's super quick. Very quick. I was very lucky that um, we we we've had some signs that um he could be on the spectrum, but we always just thought that it was him expressing uh, his happiness or his joy. He did a lot of flapping. Um, we went back to America to visit my family, and one of my cousins had a daughter who was diagnosed with Asperger's. And one of the things she did very early on was a lot of flapping. And very, very lucky that she said to us, I'd look at it. And we looked at it, and 
straight away they they agreed with it and wow. we were very fortunate to get help in place as quickly as we did so did you did you get your diagnosis in america or the uk the uk uh, he i've i've li- he, we've lived here as long as he's as long as he's been around he was born stateside okay. uh, but we came over when he was 8 weeks old so he was very fortunate we were uh, in a pathfinder county as well so we got a lot of support as it was kind of being introduced yeah. and or it was rolled out countrywide. So we're very, very fortunate that we were where we were when we were there. Yeah, okay. So was there anything else other than the flapping that made you think that he was on the spectrum? Um, He didn't walk. He didn't talk. He didn't make eye contact. He didn't play with toys. He he loved this toy box that he had, but he just took all the toys out, laid them in a line, and then put them all back in. Okay. And we just thought, oh, he's very organized. <laughs> um, but he wasn't. He wasn't really interested in walking or talking until he was two. Yeah. Uh, that's when he started walking, but he didn't start talking until at a very basic level until he was probably three and a half, four. Okay. Um, and so you said you were very fortunate that you got a lot of training and you got a lot of support. Where where did that come from? Was that provided by the UK authorities? or? Yeah, we had, um, at the time we were living in Northamptonshire, and he was referred to uh, child psychology, referred to speech therapy. Uh, we had Portage involved. Um, and then they put him into, uh, they, were, they suggested a nursery that was local there that was very good. And they had a lot of people that had a lot of training there. And that's where I was introduced to uh, things like visual timetables, social stories, pecs. Um, and they taught me how to not only build them, but how to use them. Um, so, yeah, it was all all UK agencies and organizations that you'd kind of get referred to in the NHS. But I, I think I was quite lucky in that. When he was referred, I was just given a ton of information, um, whereas I know some people in some counties will, will get a diagnosis and they won't get much information. Yeah. We were very fortunate that um, the team that diagnosed him were really proactive about kind of um, educating parents and, and helping them help themselves. Very good. So he's now eight? Yes, yeah. Eight, eight. I can't do my maths. So he's now eight, and yeah, same year my son was born, actually. And and does he attend mainstream school? Yes, he's in a mainstream school, and he gets a lot of one-to-one support. He's in a great school locally. Trust right. him completely and wholly with him. That's- Thank you, Harry. Don't you? Yeah, you do have to. That's brilliant. Okay. And um, do, do you feel that all the support and everything that you got, what kind of impact did that have on your ability to parent him and to give him all he needs? And I think I stopped, um, I stopped waiting for whoever his educator was to action it. Mm-hmm. And I started actioning it myself. Because in school, I appreciate they've got a lot of children to deal with. They've got a lot to get through. Uh, So we were very proactive at home in learning about different techniques and learning about how to adapt things and then adapting them to what his needs were. Um, I think it was one of these things where when you receive a diagnosis and you're looking at the long term, where things could be, where things could go, we wanted to give him every chance and every possibility that we could. And yeah. we thought, well, we have to be proactive about it now. Yeah. Um, so we just got to it and, and thought we're not going to wait for somebody else to do it. We're just going to do it ourselves to make sure that it's done. Yeah, absolutely. Good. So did you find that the, the social stories and the timetables that you mentioned helped him? They worked phenomenally for him. I think we tried to verbalize to him sometimes that, okay, first we're going to get our shoes on, then we're going to walk to the car, and then we're going to go to the shop, and this is what we're going to do, and this is why we're going to do it. But 
he had problems going from one step to the other. So when we were able to put it in pictures and he was able to go from step by step, what was going to happen, what we might encounter, things that might um, upset him, we reassured him about. And we had a lot of, we, he didn't benefit so much from the um, generic stock images. We had to have pictures of everything. So if, if somebody was coming to our house, we had to take a picture of him, I had to take a picture of pretty much all of our belongings so that he had a picture of exactly yeah. the car we were getting into and he knew, but we found that it alleviated a lot of stress with him. Okay. So is the theory behind social stories then that generally speaking, um, people on the spectrum are, are not keen on change and they like to know what's happening and they like to feel in control. Yes. And so the theory with the social stories is that by showing them the next steps, you, you reduce the panic and the worry for them. Yes, you're effectively sequencing things um, in a visual way. Uh, so a lot of people on the spectrum are very visual. Uh, some vary in the level of um, visual help that they need. Some need something to be very specific. Some can use something that's quite generic. Uh, but putting it in a sequence that's visual gives them um, a sequence that they can understand. They can kind of then learn to prepare mm -hmm. for in what order things happen and what order things are going to happen and be adaptable with routines and things like that. Okay. Um, so can you think of a time where, you know, when you were trying these things out, trying social stories out, of, of a situation where you'd used it and it worked and where you didn't use it and what life was like when you didn't use it? I'm trying to kind of understand the impact. Yeah. Um, a good example that I had kind of thought my son didn't really need him anymore um, and last year we uh, got a new puppy. Uh, we had already had a dog. We had two cats, and we were getting a new puppy. And this was a new thing because you know a puppy is very different than getting a rescue dog, which is what we had before. Uh, so we didn't have anything prepared for him. We just told him that we were going to get a new puppy. This is what he was going to be like, um, and that he was going to be small originally, but he's going to be quite big. So we got a German Shepherd. Um, and initially, we found that he was asking a lot of questions. So we would come home and he would ask, "What's he going to? What colors is fur going to be? Um, what are the cats going to think? What is Walter, the other dog, going to think?" And we started to realize that he was becoming quite anxious about it. And he was going to school, and we were hearing that um, rather than engaging with other children, if the children come up to him and ask him if he wanted to play, he would say, "But I don't know when Angus is coming." And he would get quite stressed out by it. So what we did is um, we put together, we actually put it together on his app for him, a step-by-step -step of all the questions that he was asking. Mm -hmm. So then he could go in and if um, he wanted to know what he was going to look like, he could go in and just alleviate that stress and just look at it. So we put information in about how it was going to affect the house, how it was going to affect him. Uh, when he was coming, what he was going to look like, what the cats might think. So what we then found is he stopped talking about it because okay. he was able to then go and look at it himself yeah. and come back to the situation that he was that he was in. We found that at school he stopped talking about it and stopped worrying about it. And then when he came, ultimately he was prepared and he was great. He was reassuring the cats that everything was going to be okay, that he was their friend and yeah. doing the same with the other dog. <laughs> Um, and he was really helpful. Uh, we found that the first dog we got, he didn't really want to get involved a lot with his care. But because we had prepared him and given him all this information, he, he really did want to help um, care for the, the new addition to the family. Yeah, very good. So if you're someone that hasn't used or experienced social stories before, hmm. what what would be the sort of things that would would make, would be trigger points for you going, do you know what, that, that signposts to me that this could be a really useful tool. 
I would think that um, when, when, just going back to looking in my own personal experience, when my son was younger and he had problems vocalizing things in particular, I would tell him something like, we're going to the shop, and he would immediately kick off. He would, it'd be, he'd be upset, he'd be shouting. Um, if, you're, if you do something typically in an order and you then find that you're getting upset, I would say that that should be um, a trigger point. If they're getting anxious or they're getting um, excited, they're flapping, they're shouting, they're crying, I would say that if you're doing something new or if you have a routine that you, you do all the time but you're doing it in a different order, mm. social stories or visual timetables, now and next, they'd be great uh, because you can think about the individual steps to get to kind of the end goal. Uh, so you can then break it down as well in as much or as little detail as a child in particular needs. So um, with my son, it was get your shoes, we're going to open the door, we're going to go outside, we're going to walk down the road, get on the bus, and then we're going to get to the shop. But it could be that you put your shoes on, you walk out the door, bus, shop, depending on how much information they need. Um, but you tend to find that you get a lot of um you get a lot of signals from your child, and I think if you work with somebody or if they are your child, you will have a you will you will kind of have a feeling that they're stressed out yeah. or that they don't like the situation they're in, or maybe they're just really overly excited about something that they maybe shouldn't be overly excited about. Mm-hmm. I think that would be if you have in those sort of signs, it might be ideal to look at yeah. look at implementing that kind of help. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I, I guess um, you know that the sorts of things that I've seen social stories on are like going to the airport, going to the hairdressers. So that they're all look at, there'll be lots of things that are fairly common situations that are done regularly. But mm. what's so great about what you've done is that you could, you could just personalize it so much. Mm. So to tell us a little bit about the app and how it works and where people can get it. Uh, so the app itself um, initially it kind of came about because when my son was diagnosed and we had all of these things, they're all on paper. Mm-hmm. And when he starts going to school, you then have to either take this big book with you or maintain two books in two different places, which is nigh on impossible. It's also a lot of paper. It's a lot of laminating. Anybody yeah. who anybody who does their own textbooks will know that it's it's such it's a, such a wonderful thing, but it's so much maintenance. Yeah. Um, and I had always kind of thought, this seems like something that should be on an app. This mm-hmm. just should. Um, I was really surprised when I went out and I started looking that either you could have this sort of thing, but you couldn't use your own pictures or you couldn't specify the text or you could buy something like this, but it was so expensive that nobody could buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what our app does is it allows parents, carers, teachers, um, whoever would want to build an app for somebody to build an app exactly specifically to their needs. So you could have a step-by-step walkthrough on how to get dressed. You can use a picture of their clothing in their bedroom. You can use as much text in the individual step as you want. So it can be really extremely detailed or it can be very brief. Uh, You can also put in an audio file if they can't read. You can have an audio file at the bottom that would then play and explain to them what they do. Or you could put a video in. So if 
really down to um, kind of the individual user and what they benefit from. Likewise, it can be as simple as creating some PEX galleries. So we've done, um, we've got an example that's on the App Store, and you'll be able to see this if you download it. We've got a PEX gallery where it's just, I would like to eat. So if you're communicating with a child, rather than using the PEX book and having to go and find where the picture is, yeah. you can just click that you want to look at food, and then they can select with what food that you've kind of pre-populated in there that they'd like to eat. And then they can communicate with you that way rather than having to carry <clears throat> around a big bulky so, book. So the app is really much more than social stories. It can also be a, a great communication aid for those that are maybe nonverbal as well. Yes, and it does likewise bring in a lot of it. You can bring in external information. So as an example, my son obsesses about the weather. He wants to know how it's going to change throughout the day, what the week's looking like. So we've got a link on it as well so that he can just look at the BBC and he can look at what the weather is going to be like in the area. And he can then decide if he wants to go out for lunch or if he'd like to stay in and read books. And yeah. he can then kind of plan his day out a little bit more as well. But likewise, if you're looking at somebody who's a bit older, they might benefit from having uh, trained timetables time on or maps to various different locations. Uh, so it's, it's really adaptable to anybody who's young or old, and it's, it's adaptable beyond people with sensory needs as well, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great for, I'm, I'm thinking, dementia patients and mm. things like that to trigger memories and Alzheimer's. And yeah, absolutely. It sounds amazing. So what what's it called? And uh, It's called SCND Apps Made <laughs> for You. Okay. We have a we have an example that you can download from the App Store. You just need to search that name. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes up with a little logo that looks like a puzzle piece that's got S, E, N, and D in the puzzle pieces. Okay. That That's just an example to show you the kind of app that you could build. Um, and if you wanted to build it, you would just need to then call us, and we would give you a link to the platform so that you could start building your own. Um, all of the training, all of the support comes from us. Um, a few of my colleagues and I work on it, and um, everybody that doesn't have personal experience in it has had um, taken various courses so that they learn more about uh, sensory needs and building social stories. So if somebody who did come to us said, I've never built this before, I have no idea where to start, Can you please help me. Um, if, it, if, um, if I'm there to help, then certainly I would help parent to parent. I would help someone walk through how I how I think it sounds like their child could benefit from a social story. Um, but likewise, if I'm not available, there are people here that have had um, loads of training and are really super helpful people as well. Great. Okay. And how much is the app? Uh, we charge £10 a month for the app, and that includes the platform, all of the support. If you want to build it for more than one child, you are looking at £10 for the first app and £3 for every additional app. So if you have two children and you want to build two separate apps, yeah. then it would then just be £13 a month. There's no minimum contract, so if you wanted to use it, say, for example, you're going on holiday and you just want to use it for a month, you can use it for a month and then turn it off. The, uh, the whole idea of it is that it's meant to help people. It's not meant to be some big thing it's just it's just meant to help people yeah and and uh, at that sort of price it's not a barrier you know no. for, for people to access that help no and it's it's likewise i think when when i've looked at a lot of apps that are on the app store you have to buy them for a year and they're quite expensive and you might download them and go actually this doesn't work for me yeah. and i've spent all this money whereas here if you spend 10 pounds and it doesn't work it's you're down 10 pounds yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think in, in our community, there's an awful lot of that that goes on where people spend money and try something and it doesn't work because so many things are trial and error. 
there is. before you find the right thing. So it's an expensive community to be in anyway. So I think it's great that there's that flexibility there that people can, you know, cancel it if it doesn't work for them. But hopefully it will. Yes. I mean, I think certainly we would do everything to try and help make it work. So I've worked with I've worked with a few people who have come on and they've told me that they're okay with technology. And then they get on and I said, "Okay, are you in the Internet browser? And then I've realized they're not even they don't even know what an Internet browser is. Yeah. So I've worked with people who have a very, very limited knowledge of how to use a computer. And I've walked them through as best as I can, step by step, how to build it. Um, but likewise, if, if it comes down to somebody um, not feeling confident with the system, we would then just help them with it. But it's something that we are, we do adapt all the time. We want to make it more user-friendly than it already is. Um, but likewise, we, we get some people that will say to us, oh, it'd be great if it had this feature or that feature. But what would end up happening is we would spend loads of money developing something that we would then have to pass on to our customers when things already exist that a lot of people will spend money on and kind of not even realize they already have it. Um, there are a few apps that have um, sort of reminders and pl planners and things like that, whereas you could do it with repeating alarms. Yeah. And a lot of people don't even consider it, but there, there are companies that will charge an absolute arm and leg for an app that will just pop up and tell somebody – to remember to go to school and you think I ethically if somebody called me and said I'd like you to develop this I ethically couldn't do it if something existed for free that yeah. they could already, that they could already access yeah I also think it's wonderful that it's not just download the app and and tatty by you know you're, you're really offering people that support to help them get the app right for them as well which is fantastic mm. good so how, how did you find the autism show is that the first one you've done yeah, it was the first one, and we did not expect it to be so busy. Um, if if anybody did pop by the stand, they probably knew they'd had to walk. They would walk by a couple of times because um, it was just me and my colleague Stacey. Um, and at one point, I think on the Friday, I did a presentation, and I she finally managed to turn and ask me how it was at about three o'clock on the Friday. <laughs> I did it. I did it first thing at ten twenty, so yeah. we didn't even have the opportunity to really kind of speak to each other. But it was it was a really great show. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, so what, what was your, your talk on at the autism show? Because I was obviously on my stand, so I didn't get to go to any talks. So I focused on um, technology within um, sensory support. So I, I did brief my app and mm -hmm. um, we had a video of my son in it um, talking about how he felt like the app had helped him. Um, because a lot of people, I completely understand this, a lot of people don't perhaps want to put their child in front of a camera to talk about something that's going to be used in marketing. But my son, he, he loves to tell people about his app, so yeah. that was a good opportunity. Um, but likewise, much like I said there a moment ago, we don't like to charge people for something or to develop something that people can already access for free. Uh, yeah. So much of what I spoke about is how um, a lot of you will have smartphones, a lot of you will have tablets, um, what do you call them, digital assistants, just things like Siri and Google, uh, The what do you want to call it, Alexa, that's yeah. the one. A lot of people already have those things at home, and you can use those as sensory support. Um, so I was kind of going through different things and how you could use them. So the, the uh, Siri is a good example in that if somebody's not comfortable speaking to somebody, they can just speak to somebody on their phone. Mm -hmm. And if they want to ask them a question about something or if they need help, urgent help with something, smartphones are great and tablets are great purely from the app side of things. Um, so I had gone through and I've, I've got a list of them here if you want me to go yeah, through. Yeah, no, that would be really useful. Um, apps that you can use that you can access um, for free 
so some of the things you already will have um, on your phone, you'll have things like repeating alarms uh, and calendar alerts, uh, maps where you can put pins on. So uh, like I was saying a moment ago, so if you want to remind somebody to take medicine, uh, you could put a repeating alarm on so it could repeat every day. You can uh -huh. specify it could um, it could repeat once every three weeks if you want, because I think that's an uncommon one. And you can put a note on it. So if you need to say, for example, it's don't forget you've got swimming lessons today. You could put on a note that says and don't forget to bring your swimming trunks and your your um, towel, towel, for yeah. example. Yeah. And if you've got some additional support from you could say if you need help, see your social story. Yeah. So it's something that's there. You don't have to make it overly complicated. It's something that you already have on your phone. A lot of people just don't use it. Uh, the maps using pins. So if um, you've got a child that is now kind of going out and venturing out on their own, uh -huh. but you want to make sure that there's something there that um, if they get lost, they can find their way home. You could just pop some pins on and then they can search to go from their current location to that location. And if they're walking, it will give them instructions on how to get where they're going. Um, there's a few other things that you can download. So as I had said a moment ago, things like the train line, uh, that's good if you've got somebody that's traveling independent. Uh, likewise, there's a UK bus and train times. There's a few different apps there. Uh, yeah. So if then somebody's accessing a bus route, they can then find if, say, for example, the bus is late, they can go on and see roughly where the bus is and how far away it is. So they can kind of plan where they're going and reassure them as well. I think if you're waiting at a bus stop, I know when I first came to this country and I first started riding on buses and I would think this bus is late. This thing tells me it's supposed to be here at this time and it's late. And it was stressful enough for me when I had to get somewhere and go somewhere. But if you have the added sensory needs as well, I think it's it's a great support to, to kind of have reassurance of when, when is the bus going to come? It's three minutes away. That's great. Yeah. I know it's coming. Yeah. Uh, there's a few other things. There's a, an app called Safe24. This was something that I came across um, when I was looking at a comparison for uh, Find My iPhone. Uh -huh. Let's say if you've got somebody who is um, lost, they've called you, or you don't know where they're at, they're home late from a curfew and you want to find them, uh, Safe24 will actually track their movements. Oh. Uh, so you can see, have they gone to school? Okay, have they gone to a shop? Have, are they on their way home? Where are they? Um, rather than logging into, because if you want to do the Find My iPhone, you have to log into Apple servers online yes. and track it. And it's quite a long, lengthy uh, thing to do. But with the Safe24, that's actually something that you can just do from an app so a parent can see where their children are. You can have more than one person mm. on. And like, likewise, children can see where their parents are. Yeah, I'm going to get that. That sounds yeah. is, is that a free one? or? Yeah, that's a free one. <clears throat> Great. Um, there's um, another one that I quite like, and it's called Youper, and it's a mood tracker. So uh, we do something similar in our app where you can put in a custom form. So my son has a tab where it just says, how is Frankie feeling? Mm -hmm. And he can click on it, and then he can select his mood and tell me why he's feeling that way. Mm. Um, and I get it in the background system of the app. And um, so he tends to use it to vent. A lot of times it'll be that he was really happy because he got to watch SpongeBob. But on the rare occasion, I get something and I think I might have to get involved in that. Um, but the Youper is great because it is something that will just pop up and just ask them how they're doing. Um, and they can just rate how they're doing, how they're feeling. And it's then something that you can then look at um, retrospectively and look at how their moods change throughout the day. Mm. Um, so I know in particular when my son comes home and I ask him what he's done that day, I think it's typical with a lot of kids, but you do get nothing. Yeah. I didn't do anything. I didn't play with anyone. I didn't learn anything. Yeah. But
you can then kind of see if there's a trend, if maybe um, we, we had started using it and I started to notice that um, just after lunchtime, my son was getting upset and he, or he was noting that he wasn't happy. Yeah. And I was asking him what was wrong and he was then telling me that there was a boy that he was lining up with that would upset him. Mm-hmm. But obviously, had I not known that, I wouldn't know. Yeah. So, Yupa, how do you spell that? Uh, Y-O-U-P-E-R. Okay. That's a good one, too. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of support out there. I think if you're looking for something in particular, mm. if you um, just have a browse on the App Store and just kind of type in roughly what you're looking for, you'd be amazed at the kind of things that you come across. But you do sometimes likewise come across things and you think, why have I downloaded this? Yeah. <laughs> waste my time. But, I mean, the great thing with these is that they're all free. You can try them. If you like them, then great. Um, these are things that I've just come across in looking for it myself. Um, yeah. Just kind of parent-to-parent advice. Yeah. Cool. Any more? Or is that, or is that it for now? Um, well, there, there are other things like meal planners and things like that so if you've got an older child Mm. uh, meal planners are great because if somebody um, doesn't necessarily have the time to kind of plan out their routine on a um, piece of paper or a whiteboard you can just do it for somebody on a computer and they can quickly go through um, have everything know that they have everything in their fridge and they can just go in find what they need and make themselves food there's there's, to be fair it depends on what age you're looking at but there are so many different apps Um, we do have people sometimes that will contact us and ask us about um, if our app does certain things and a lot of times I turn them away and tell them actually you can do that on your phone now this is how you do it Um, at the autism show I actually had somebody come up to me and said they wanted to buy it uh, for their two-year-old child who had just recently been diagnosed and they wanted to use it for pecs and I showed them how to set up albums on their phone and just said just do this for now because yeah. I don't I wouldn't write I wouldn't feel right taking 10 pounds a month for you knowing that you can do it on your phone as it is yeah and I think I, I think um there, there are a lot of companies that will kind of just take advantage of you but we even say if you just want some advice just give us a ring even if you don't want our app still help yeah absolutely no that's really good um so what what's what's the grand plan what's the future what are you hoping for uh, well, we want to do some more development with it. Uh, we want to make it, like I say, a bit more user friendly than it already is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got some, we've got, we've got a few ideas in the pipeline, but they're with anything tech related, they're months away. Um, ideally, we would like it to be something that people come to us when they need us. If they don't need us, we're here from when they need us. Yeah. Um, we haven't got any great big grand plans. Um, we've we've got some people in America that have tried it. Uh, uh-huh. We're on a couple of different websites uh, in in the states, um, but it's not something that we want to limit. But it's not something that we want to kind of set any goals. We're just kind of just here for people. I don't I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, no, that's lovely. Because um, I guess as well, if if it needs a bit of um, support in setting up hmm. um, from the user's point of view, then I, I guess you're limited by how much time and resource you've got to put into that at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, at the minute, because we've got um, a few of us that work on it and we've, we've got a fair number of people that use it, I think it's um, it's right that 
we kind of have the time to spend with people. And that's one thing that we want to make sure that we do is that if someone calls us for support, we don't want to direct them to a help guide. We don't want to direct them to instructions online. We want to walk them through and, and help them because I, I was speaking to a lot of people at the autism show and I kind of just did a, an internal survey of how many people actually know how to write a, a social story. And I only came across one person that had ever written a social story and they worked at a school and mm -hmm. they worked at a special school. So I was quite surprised by the number of people that some some people didn't even know they they knew the concept of a social story, but they didn't know what it was called. So yeah. um, I think it's something I encourage people to use it. I think it's fantastic. But if you've never had the training, you've never had the support, no one's taken the time uh, that people have taken with me, then how are you ever going to learn? Exactly. So that's the kind of approach we try and take with it. Yeah. And and what about Frankie and his hopes and dreams and for the future what, what what do you see him developing into well he changes his mind on a weekly basis mm -hmm. but <laughs> at the minute he tells me he wants to be a swim instructor oh. he's been doing swimming for the last um, term at school and he's he's not a very good swimmer but he loves it and he's enthusiastic about it and I always tell him that I don't mind how he does I just mind that he tries his hardest and that he enjoys himself so um, but besides that, I think if he's not going to be a swim instructor, he might have something to do with the weather. Yes, yeah, if he's got that interest, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, d does he have brothers or sisters at all? Uh, he has three brothers. Wow. Uh, they're, they're all older than him. Um, so he's he's quite lucky. He's not got any sisters, which he's quite happy about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so three older brothers. Wow. God, you're a busy lady, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and and obviously he's the only one that's on the spectrum. Yes. Yes. So if you were going to send out a message to our listeners about what you have learnt from being an autism parent, um, what would your kind of message to the world be? I think the thing that has kind of resonated the most with me since he was diagnosed is initially I went through... I think a grieving process. I think it's I'm kind of at a place now where I think I can comfortably say that I was grieving somebody that I thought my son was going to be, but that he never was going to be. Um, and I think when I stopped being afraid of it and when I stopped holding myself back and started being really proactive with it, we, he just came on leaps and bounds. He, he went from um, when he was diagnosed to us thinking at the time – before we knew he, he had um, any sort of diagnosis of any kind, uh, we were kind of laid back parents. He'll get there when he gets there. He'll be fine. We'll just let him get there. Um, but I think we realized we had to be a lot more proactive with him than a lot of parents were going to have to be yes. with, with their children. Um, he went from not speaking to reading in about three months. Wow. <laughs> so he's. I think. I think being proactive, don't stop, don't give up. There are people out there that are in your shoes, that are willing to take the time to help you. Don't be afraid to go out and ask people for help. I Don't be afraid to go out and get training. Don't be afraid to take courses. Just just don't stop. Yeah, yeah. Which you, you wouldn't for any child, would you? For, no. you know, regardless of what their situation is, you just do everything you can for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's very honest of you to say that you, you went through a bit of a grieving process. Mm. Um, very honest. I think there are a lot of people that wouldn't be honest enough to say that. But I, I guess you, when you have a child, you do have a certain expectation or, or kind of rough plan, even though you probably shouldn't, but you do mm. of where you think it's going to go. And then if it goes off that, 
it's it's perfectly natural to think, well, hang on a minute. But then that acceptance and then that that proactivity that you've done has just helped him and you so much and and you found this wonderful app as a result and you know it's just it's it's almost like destiny I think when these things happen it is it's like um prior to having him I didn't really have any I mean you know I worked and I worked hard um I, I grew up on a farm I, I know that you have to you have to put in a hard day's work but I think I never really had any specific hopes or dreams or aspirations and when I had him and I seen the things that he went through and I seen how much he could get from even a small amount of effort on my part, I started to, it really kind of, it kind of really put the fire up me and, and it's given me kind of a purpose in life. And, you know, obviously I'm going to have him for the rest of my life. And if I'm going to have him for the rest of my life, I obviously want to make his life as best, as, as, as best a time as I can. Yeah. So I think it's, it's amazing. If I never had him, I wouldn't be where I am now and no. I, I love where I'm at now I love what I do I love the fact that I'm able to help people um kind of gives you a right purpose in life doesn't it yeah I was going to say it's almost like a vocation now isn't it it's like a calling <laughs> yeah. it's great well brilliant that's been really really interesting thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us and I'm sure lots of people will be in touch regarding your app and I look forward to seeing it continue to develop and grow it's really amazing well done you that's great. Thank, thank you for having me and thank you for giving me the, the chance to come and talk to you. Not at all. Our pleasure. So that was Danny from SendUp and I, I really enjoyed that podcast. What did you think? It was cool. Yeah, so what I found interesting is last week we had Alex Manners on the podcast and he had gone over to America with his family and they had a family friend whose child was diagnosed with Asperger's and they said that some of the things that he was displaying were the same. And... Danny's gone on this week saying about how her son, when they went over to America, they had a family member with Asperger's and that's how they noticed that their son was autistic. So I find that quite interesting that two weeks in a row that's happened. Um, but the send app looks incredible. Um, her son reminded me of me. Oh, did he? Yeah, with the thingy. Oh, because he likes to do the social media? Yeah, the thingy. Yeah, so Danny was saying about how a lot of kids don't like to go on social media, but how her son really likes to promote the send app, and Jamie's the same. She really loves to do Chewy Gem social media. So, yeah, you are very similar in that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it was great. Um, so what you can do is you can download the send app, from, send app from the App Store, and you can get your own social story. So I think it's amazing that you can put your own images in videos you could do your own voices it's just fantastic so it's really really clever idea and i love how ethical danny is the fact that she just wants to help people with this app it's not about making money it's a really useful helpful app and we all use social stories at some point um remember the one we did for benadorm that big booklet now that would have been so much easier if we had it on a phone or a tablet probably yeah so also if you are a vic not only do you get to listen to the full length of this podcast but you also get a free month from the send app which will be coming soon i'm just working that out because uh, i need to learn how to do it myself so that i can show you guys how to do it but basically you'll get access to one social story for a month for free with the send app so that's really really exciting and we'll see you again next week bye bye you know what